1: Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
0: Sabres did not keep it close against L.A. They ran away with it in a 7-0 win. Tonight, the challenge is an Eastern Conference foe who I believe, Marty, should be the favorite for the Stanley Cup.
2: I think you are right. I was asked yesterday, who is the best team in the eastern conference right now uh, a little bit of a mini this or that they said florida or boston i said florida hands down yeah uh, No, boston's having a great season but i think florida to me um you know they, they had the start of the season without eggblad without montour took a while for them to get back to normal eggblad was a big part of the win last night mm-hmm. um you know they matryka chuck had five goals in his first 28 games, I believe it was. Now he's almost a a two-point-a-game player in the last 18 games or 19 games. Like, that's incredible.
0: Well, I mean, to that point, in the last two months, the top three scorers in the NHL, McKinnon, Kucherov, and... Kachuk and McDavid are tied. Yes. So that's pretty much all you need to know about the run that Kachuk and is on. McDavid
2: so. needed a six point game to make that yes, tie, he did. right? He so did. that's the difference there's, there. But there's yeah. there's
0: lots to dive into in Florida and we will. But how you know, and we'll get to Jacob Bryson's going to join us here momentarily so we can look at it more through his eyes and how you prepare for a game like the Panthers. What did you see in Florida last night in their um dissection of the penguins it seemed like it was
2: yeah. i don't want to say dissection it was well in hand a great, a great but, word it,
0: it's funny because there were multiple reviews yep. but mm-hmm. it all seemed to uh, come from a place of great confidence for the panthers as they went on to uh you know kind of a, another routine victory and they are Winners of three in a row, seven of eight, and 16, three and two in the last 21.
2: So uh, the biggest thing against the Florida Panthers is you got to score goals. Like, I mean, the games that they have lost, look, they've only lost three games in regulation in the last 21, a couple of overtimes in there. Um, they've given up five, six. Yep. You know that's that's kind of like the number where you got to get to. Even if you score four, well, Florida's won an eight-four game. They won a five-four game. Like four may not get you a win. Five and six is where you got to get. That's number one. Number two, they will play whatever game is presented to them. And then when it's like you know, it's like uh, you know, Rocky Four when uh, Drago is in the corner and all of a sudden the trainer goes, ah, 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 he slams the finger. Like it's like that's the time to drop the boom. Yeah. You can play the game. Like yeah. it will jab, jab, jab. And then it's time to drop the boom, and there it comes. They did that to Pittsburgh yesterday. It was one of the most boring first period, and then, boom, Florida decides, let's take over. Um, and they did. Now, again, you talk about reviews and replays. I think it was the Jig Gensel goal where... You know, they challenge for goaltender interference. With
0: rust off to the side. Off yeah. to the
2: side. Bobrovsky goes there. Oh my gosh! And they had exactly. already won
0: a challenge to at, before yes. that, so they were feeling a little extra saucy, perhaps. And, so. and <laughs>
2: yeah, and you know what? But again, Florida's like, hey, we got this game under control. Exactly. Even if we lose this challenge, yes. no problem. But let's just, we're a team. Bob seems to act like he just got run over. Mm-hmm. Let's challenge this, and yep. I, I mean everybody on the broadcast were like, "That's not going; they're not going to win this challenge." That's a good goal, and you know, and I saw I saw the same thing, and you know, Dan Dunleavy tweeted at me. It was like, "That's not goaltender interference." Uh, yeah, that's not goal interference, but Florida doesn't care; they're in full control, and they've been in full control of most of the games, especially in the last two months.
0: Their goaltending's been terrific. We expect to see Stolarz tonight. Bobrovsky's on a five-game win streak, allowing just eight goals. Stolarz has had a little less fortune as far as the wins of late he's two and two in his last four games he's only given up six goals in well, those four games so. one of
2: the loss he came in relief of bob yeah against minnesota bob was terrible solars comes in and he gets te- pegged with the loss. So, I mean, not really on him, but, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, I think Anthony Stolarz has been really good as a backup goaltender. I mean, his numbers are fantastic, and he's given a little break to Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky likes to play a lot. Mm-hmm. But give him a break here and there, help kept keep the the, the team's success going. Stolarz has done that. He's a massive goaltender. I, I mean, U- UPL is big. Anthony Stolarz is massive. So that's the, the, the challenge, even though you're playing – the Panthers back up. Mm-hmm. He still is having a really good season.
0: Lucan and in again tonight for the Sabres. We're not expecting any lineup changes for them. No. It is military appreciation night here at Key Bank Center. So we want to see you here in attendance tonight and obviously to do so, uh, you can go to Sabres.com for tickets. We are going to see the Sabres honoring and celebrating the bravery of all heroes who have served our country. So again, Sabres.com for tickets tonight. Great to see Jacob Bryson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Good. It's uh, been good to see you in the lineup and obviously it always feels good uh, coming off a game like your group had the other night. Um just put it into context for us what it can mean moving forward here for the guys.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think when you have a game like that, I think it helps. It's a good stepping stone for hopefully what comes a good stretch. Um, you know, that gives confidence to a lot of players and it shows that we can score goals, and I feel like guys feel more confident scoring goals. So hopefully that helps us and, you know, gives the guys that extra little edge just to, you know, pucks are going in the back of the net, and I feel like that's what we've needed in probably the last five games, you know. Mm-hmm um so hopefully that is a good start for what's going to come uh, a good stretcher
2: so i asked that question to pretty much everybody that comes on the set because i want more clarity about certain things and the word playing direct playing fast playing on your toes uh, has always been brought up but for you personally everybody has their own way of describing that for you what does that mean when you are playing quick and playing direct uh, what are the little things in the game that indicates that oh jay comes on his game he's playing direct because he's doing a certain thing
3: i think it's playing simple i mean not trying to do too much i think that's a big thing um you know just breaking the puck out and having good gaps and defending well i think that's a big thing for me um you know using my feet and closing plays as quick as i can i think that helps the forwards and create as many turnovers as possible because i feel like that's where we're really good as transition offense so the more that myself and us decor that we can do that i feel like we help uh, you know transition pucks and create a lot more opportunities for our forwards.
2: So I did a couple of breakdowns last game. One was Ryan Johnson passed to Rasmus Dahlin. Mm-hmm. Like the puck was on his stick for like a quarter of a second. Boom. You, that pass to Benson, right? You get it? It's right yeah. gone. Um, I, like, and just from my point of view, I think that's when a player like you, a player like RJ, and a, and a player like pretty much anybody on the team is at their best, is when the puck is not sitting on their stick that long. Is that a... A a point of of emphasis now that, because of last game, the way that it went, that you guys have talked into, like, bringing into tonight's game and more?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think we really focus on that, but I think it's, you know, we scored a lot of goals from one-touch passes, and Mm -hmm. when the opposing team is set in a a defensive zone and the puck moves across like that so fast I feel like it's hard for them to recover and you know Rass had so much time on that play and same with (laughs) Benny I feel like they just find themselves open in that area with no one covering them because the puck's already over here and then it gets over there so fast and buys them a lot of time so I feel like that Quick buck movement is, uh, for sure helps us, and I feel like just not forcing a shot and making plays like that is what's going to be our success.
0: What's it like in the pre-scout between a team like L.A. and now a team like Florida tonight that is going so well? Mm-hmm. You know, they are pick a category they are very very good what what is that
2: like
3: yeah i feel like it's kind of a different pregame scout obviously these guys are one of the top teams in the league and they've been on you know a a run lately and especially on the road so Mm -hmm. we got a good team coming to the building and um i feel like they play a very hard physical game so uh it's going to be a little different and they're probably more they pressure more than la did so it's it's definitely different um but I feel like if we just play like we did last game and, you know, do the similar things, I feel like we'll be successful. How
0: how many teams would fall into that category nowadays, though, of like a hard physical game? Like it's almost, you know, we understand the pace and the physicality of the game, but we don't hear it necessarily describing certain teams. So how how rare is it? I mean, I feel like
3: the games for sure changed over the years, but I feel like Florida kind of still plays that way. I mean, I feel like they try to run the team out of the building in the first period. I feel like that's what they've done in the past and, Uh, this year especially so um, I'm sure we got to be ready for that and um, if we can weather that storm in the first period then you know keep the game close and even get up a goal I think we'll be in good hands.
2: Do you watch a lot of hockey like did you turn on the game last night Florida and kind of say oh we got them tomorrow might as well but even if you didn't get them and you know the next day, do you watch games whenever it's on TV like that?
3: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I watch hockey every night, but um, playoffs, obviously, I watch yep. a lot. Uh, beginning of the season, I like to watch before we play. And then uh, sometimes when the team, it, like yeah, last night I did turn the game on, I watched yep. the second and third period. Um, not to say I'm pre-scouting, but it's nice to kind of just watch and you know you kind of know what to expect. You didn't next miss much day. in the first
2: period, I'll tell you this. The shots oh, were 4-0, yeah, four, four right? To 3 yeah. The expected goals were a quarter to a quarter. It was <laughs> like the worst <laughs> first period ever. Yeah,
3: I know. They put a lot of goals
4: up the second right.
0: and third. Second and so. third, yeah. yeah. They did. yeah as, they did. As, as, as the Sabres have when you're in the lineup, 6-0, and oh, and the team is averaging 5.3 goals per game when you're playing and allowing just 1.8. And uh, obviously – it's hard not to be in the lineup all the time so how yeah. have you navigated this how have you taken the moments when you're in the lineup to just try to keep that confidence where it needs to be
3: yeah i feel like you know over last year and this year you know not playing being in a lineup it's obviously tough um but i feel like it's more of the mental side of it um mm-hmm. you know staying positive and being a good teammate when i'm not playing and um you know those days where it's obviously tough you know not hanging my head low and being a bad teammate i feel like that's a big thing and you know i feel like guys see that and they respect that and uh, you know you want all your teammates to be like that so um you know and then when i do get my chance i feel like just jumping on that opportunity and just doing what i do best and trying to help the team win
2: whether things are good on the ice and at the rink or whether things are bad on the ice and at the rink there's always another aspect of things going home having distractions having you know friends and family and and all of that um we saw on instagram there's a uh, a new addition to the family coming up yes. here in a few months. The, uh, the announcement was made yesterday on yep. Valentine's Day.
3: Yeah, we saved it for, you know, a special day. And, uh, yeah, we got a little baby girl coming in uh, to this world this summer. So I'm obviously very excited about that. And I feel like, like you said, you know, you get away from the rink and uh, you can kind of think about other things. So that was obviously a, a nice little touch. Um, but, yeah, for sure.
2: I'll give you a, um, a, a fun thing about this summer is there's going to be a, a Summer Olympics, right? So here's the thing. My son was born in 2004. It was the Athens Summer Olympics. Every time we had to get up in the middle of the night for, like, the 2 <laughs> o'clock feeding and the 4 a.m. feeding, the Olympics were on live. It was fantastic. I I have so many memories of the Athens 2004 Olympics, Summer uh, yeah. Olympics. Because of that, um, it was probably the best, like, two weeks in the summertime because waking up, there was always something on TV.
3: So Yeah, that's a good tip. And maybe in 10, 20 years, I'll be telling the same story. Absolutely.
2: That's good. He's, uh, he's 19 now, but that's good. Yes.
0: Uh, <laughs> hey, you mentioned, you know, just from an individual standpoint being a good teammate to others how have you felt it the other way this year guys that you've been close with and recognizing you know there's been up and down with rochester and here and and you know who, who's who been kind of that peer group for you that close group that's really kind of helped you along
3: yeah well i feel like obviously i live with middle so i'm really good friends with him and then i hang out with uh, dylan cousins a lot too but um when i got sent down you know i think i got a text from every guy so i think it just shows like how close our team is and then when I go to Roch, like, I, w- I knew a lot of the guys already, but they're my close friends, too. So um, yeah. I feel like this organization is really close together. And when I go back up to Buff and, you know, I play, like, I get texts from down there, too. So it's nice. I mean, everyone's uh, – and I would do the same thing for them. So Yeah. Um, I
0: thought it was really noticeable when Eric went down the last time and immediately yeah. singled you out. as like this is – it's almost – like not believable for him to be down there and seeing you playing there. And it yeah. was really cool. I just thought that and, – and, I mean, you've, you've known it because you've seen, you know, the Quins and Paterkas come in and you've seen the other guys trying to climb that ladder. So you're, you're yeah. kind of emphasizing – you know the the relationship aspect between buffalo and rochester which has existed pretty well here the last few years
3: yeah and i would you know give that credit to donnie and apps i mean and they both do a great job of you know creating really good environments in those rooms so when you go from one to another uh, the transition is just so easy um, to play for both
1: coaches well what
0: have you now with some of those numbers that i mentioned but just overall coming back in and winning again yeah what has it made you believe about your game and what you can continue to bring here moving forward.
3: Well, I think just look at last game. I mean, I think I can bring that presence, that offensive presence, and you know help the team win in, in that aspect. And um, you know, I feel like being a plus player like that is a big thing. I mean, keeping goals out of your net is you know probably the most important thing for uh, the decor. I feel like I feel like that's a great stat to have when you shut a team out like that. You know, it feels really good. Especially Upi played a great game, but. Yeah. Um, it feels good for the D and the forwards um just you know playing a defensive sound game and I would be fine winning one nothing as well but um, you know that, that's a great feeling when you get a shout out like that.
2: I want to ask about Lukanen because he seems to be a little bit more comfortable playing the puck not that he's you know like Marty Berther out there yeah. but a little bit more towards my type of game where <laughs> I made some mistakes but I still played the puck a lot. Um, is there a lot of com- uh, communication in and, and being that you know you haven't been I, lo- I laughed because I said "Who's been your uh, the teammates you've been on the ice with the most this year. Uh, but that's also normal, right? But um, is there communication? Is there conversation? Uh, is there a little mocking at times And how things can turn out as, as soon as it doesn't end up in the back of the net? Like, uh, how does that work?
3: I, I think he's done a pretty good job. He yeah. might have had one, I can remember, that might have ended up in the back of the net, maybe in Arizona or something. Yes, yes right? that was one- the one. Maybe the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah just the one. But I think he's done a great job, and I think. That's uh, an aspect that helps us out a lot. You know, when they when they rim the puck and he's out there to play it, it saves us a lot. Um, whether that's taking a hit or you know making the next play, it, it helps and it's obviously you you would know. Um, you know, it's very beneficial for our team in our game.
2: Yeah, no, it it, it is good, but it's also kind of a learning thing, yeah. right? Because. You'd think you're doing the right thing, but the defense is expecting something else. There's always needs. Do you guys practice it often? And, and, you know, there used to be a drill where it's a two-on-one where they would dump it in. And you would do the exchange. So you kind of went through the motions, but at least you'd get to practice it.
3: We do that sometimes in pregame skate, you know, the little two-on-one that you're talking about. Um, But, yeah, I feel like the more reps he can get, it probably helps him. And then we obviously have call-outs. So the more we talk to him, I Mm. feel like it helps him as well. Good luck tonight,
0: and uh, obviously our best to you and uh, your growing family.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Youth Hockey Day is fast approaching, and we are calling on all young Sabres fans, the Sabres, to celebrate their future All-Star fans with Youth Hockey Day on Monday, February 19th at 1230 when the Ducks roll in. The first 5,000 kids in attendance to receive a Sabres mini-stick, and you can visit Sabres.com slash tickets today. Nice insight from Jacob and what has been a challenging year and uh, really good balance and perspective, and I think it's always really impressive to hear the support. We have seen it so many times from players who get the call up. We think of Samuelson and Lukanen and Quinn, you know, and yep. being there for one another, whether the games are here or at Blue Cross Arena. And, uh, yeah, tonight it's, uh, it is definitely a big league game when you're up against the Florida Panthers and how good they have been the last couple of years. They and were. it's
1: not
2: just the players, it's the coaching staff, too. right? Like Bryce well, it talks just, about apps and, and Donnie not, as they, they're not
0: necessarily easy to do, right? When you've had the year of going out no. of the NHL to the AHL, yeah. so for him to naturally kind of still want to give credit to the coaches, Absolutely. I thought it was very impressive. No, it's
2: very impressive, and that's why, like, we, we have had Seth Happert and, and, you know, in the past, like Michael Peck Mike Weber, and then this year Nathan Page, Vinny Prospol, mm-hmm. uh, Matty Ellis. We've had a lot of different coaches in the organization, and they always talk about their relationship with the players and how it's important to build that relationship and to want players to come into the office. And and talk to you. Like, I remember walking as far away as I could from Lindy Ruff's office. Like, are you kidding me? If you're going to catch me in that side of the locker room, there's no way anybody would go around there. The only time that you were going there has been when you were in trouble. And uh, now that's not like that anymore. It's open the door, come and chat. If it's about hockey, it's about hockey. If it's about life, it's about life. But there's a personal touch to it. I also think that you know, cell phones and text messages and all of that, it makes it easier. Like back in the days, if the practice was canceled, mm-hmm. there would be a call to the captain and there was like a a, a phone line, right, that everybody got a hold of everybody. Mm-hmm. And It's totally different now. So sending a quick text as a coach, hey, great job. Hey, good luck. Hey, we, uh, you know, we... Hope to see you back here uh, soon or whatnot. Like, that's always important.
0: Well, Don has talked a lot about that over the course of his time here with the Sabres and especially so with late-night texts from Rasmus Dahlin because he's a guy that, you know, it's hard for him to just leave it at the rink as soon as things are done because he wants – to get better so badly and wants to have a bigger impact especially in the win-loss column yeah. so it's not surprising to hear it from Bryson um, just because of you know how we've seen his demeanor over the years but I still think nonetheless it's impressive he's played you know a little bit more in his games mm-hmm. of late obviously a 7 nothing game allows for more balance so he played 19 minutes so when you look at the group of six which is not expected to change tonight that would mean Darlene and Yoki Haru again yeah. and Bryson and Clifton and Johnson and Johnson how do they prepare for this Florida team, pretty much knowing full well what's coming their way, as far as what Florida would prefer to do, like Jacob talked about, in the first period?
2: Hey, we talked about with Jacob Bryson, move the puck quickly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that is going to finish their hits on the forecheck. And if you're Yoki, are you and Darlene especially? Because... In the last game against L.A., Henry played over nine minutes in the first period. Mm -hmm. If you're going to play nine minutes in a period against the Florida Panthers, you're going to get hit. And if you move the puck, you are taking that out of the equation. So you're coming back. It's a quick rim to the wall. (laughs) I hate to say it, but at times the wingers are going to have to pay the price because I'd rather – Pay the price on the half wall or by the blue line, you know, and get the puck as far from the net as you can. Then creating or holding on to the puck by the goal, by the, you know, the end wall or whatnot, and then getting hit, create the turnover, and then it's attacking the net. So it's going to be a quick rim. It's going to be wingers. You're going to get a lot of pressure from the pinch, but handle the puck, handle the physicality, get the puck out of the zone. That, to me, is a, is a big key to the game is don't mess around with the puck right at the goal line because you're going to get in trouble that and
0: way. And Henry did end up with a season high for ice time against the Kings at just yeah. over 23 minutes. So, again, one would expect more of that with Darlene this evening. And we talked about Bryson. We talked about Rochester and the Amherst. And we mentioned yesterday that they were venturing into this seven game in 11 day stretch five of which are against division opponents that they are nestled uh, far too closely with for their liking probably based on uh, the overall north division standings but last night uh, a really impressive start to the game for them which hasn't been the biggest problem they actually had two two nothing leads against Syracuse in the last two games and only to lose them both in overtime but they had Excellent balance against Utica last night. They opened the scoring with Ethan Prow, Then throughout the course of the game, Brett Murray, Justin Richards, Victor Noychev, Mason Yaps, and Tyson Kozak, the latter who had a three-point game. So maybe that becomes a little bit of a springboard for a quiet offensive player in Kozak, but one who's dealt with some injuries too. And it all allowed for a little bit of a score effect game in front of Devin Levi because the game was out of hand at 5 nothing before Utica really got engaged. And it's nice for Levi because you've got that buffer, and he ends up with 37 saves on 39 shots, right? So it's good. It makes the job
2: so much uh, easier, and I don't like to say that any games are easy when you play professional hockey, but when you're up Mm. 5-0, you can breathe a little easier. You give up a goal, no worries, you know, Does get back to work. And then all of a sudden you see the shot clock go up, and you're like, hey, this is great. (laughs) Not only am I... Doing like uh, you know, getting a win here yes. because we were up five nothing, and now my save percentage is doing good, and now let's just keep the goals down, so the goals against average is is going to be reflecting as well. So it works out. It was also Yuri Kulik uh, coming back in the game. Um, you know, he had an assist, so that was good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and look, I, this is the type of you know development that some of the players have to you know, roll through in Rochester, you're going to be out of the lineup, you're going to be injured, And when do, you, how do you do when you come back? And, and yeah. when you come back, how much of an impact uh, do you have to the game? Like, he didn't have to score yesterday, and it's been a, tougher getting the puck in the back of the net for Yeri Kulik of late, but I still think that uh, his impact is going to be felt down the stretch and, and hopefully in Buffalo soon enough.
0: It was another multi-point game for Lukas Rusek last night, which has been great oh, to see. Good, he had two helpers. Uh, Yops had a multi-point game. Nochev was really involved. He had a three-point game along with Kozak. So those are really nice steps. Noichev's just, uh, he, he has a wonderful confidence when shooting the puck right now. I mean, the, the shifts aren't gonna quite happen, you know, over and over and over and over again, like some of the top lines when they get on a roll. But I find like he's not afraid now to find himself in that perfect place to let one fly. And uh, last night was a was a really good example of that. So we'll see how the Amherst continue on this run. they love their military appreciation night tomorrow at mm-hmm. uh, Blue Cross Arena, part of a Friday-Sunday uh, weekend for them on home ice before traveling to Toronto on Monday for an afternoon game. So got to uh,
2: love the Friday-Sunday-Monday. <laughs> That's a three-game oh weekend, but usually yeah. it's like – you know, Wednesday. Well, I, I
0: guess it's better than the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is usually two and a half, right? Because we you, used to, yeah, you used to get the Sunday would be an afternoon game Four after two. Yeah, yes, you know, and those were really, really, really tough. But uh, And they
2: always found a way to say, hey, you're going to play at home on Friday night, and then you're going to go to Hershey on Saturday, well, <laughs> and then back to Rochester on Sunday. You're like, come on. Well, right? they, they
0: they did move up last night. They separated a little from Toronto. They're one up on Belleville, yeah. and they're seven back, of division leaders Syracuse and Cleveland. So keeping close tabs, as we always do here on the Americs, and obviously the focus tonight is Buffalo against Florida. Uh, we'll dive in, obviously, a lot tonight on our pregame coverage amidst our celebration of military appreciation night and alumni which will be scattered not only here throughout the building to re-engage with the fan base but uh, just down the road at the uh, Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino as uh, you'll be chatting with Mike Ramsey I am so
2: excited about my time with Rammer on the on the pregame show tonight look Mike Ramsey was an assistant coach here in Buffalo when I was here and then he went on to uh, coach in Minnesota with Jacques Lemaire as the head coach and uh, Mario Tremblay as an assistant coach Mm -hmm. and they had a great staff over there one of the best staff in the national And I remember, you know, Rammer fully dressed, shin pads, pants, you know, helmet, visor for practice, and teaching the D how to slide on the two on one, how to block shots. Like, I think a lot of Jay McKee's game was learned from a guy like Mike Ramsey, and then Jay McKee's passing it on to other players now as a coach. But
0: did Rammer ever tell you where he got it from? No. Okay, so ask him then tonight
2: my question. I don't want to Gramsley. blurt it
0: out. I want to be curious and in tune with what his answer is. But given that he was with the Sabres when he was with the Sabres and for so long, I'm curious if I there was have a, pr- a Sabre influence or if they're – I mean, look, the guys, you know, it, man, oh, man. You know what? It,
2: and, it, you, you know, what? Uh, you know st- what you need to do? You
0: need to, between him and Kenny Morrow, go back and look at what kind of run – slash trajectory they were on in the early months of 1980 when they built themselves up to go to the Olympics, oh. pull off the stunner, and then both of them, among many, joined the NHL. Ramsey joining arguably the best-ever Sabres team in yes. 7980. Morrow joining what would be the best Islander team ever because it was their first of four cups. They had to beat Buffalo on the way. But those guys walked into winning streaks where the miracle almost became a footnote. It's like, all they did was win. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine living Um, that existence. When
2: you win four cups in a row, the the, the, uh, miracle... You know, on ice is uh, it's still significant, but yeah. And I have a fun story because Mike Ramsey also owned a um, hockey store, kind of pro shop back in Minnesota. Yes. So he was used to the skate sharpening machines and all of that. So there's a story while well, we were in Detroit one year, and Rip Simonic had to be rushed to the emergency room, and George Babcock, who was the assistant equipment manager, had to try to sharpen skates, and he wasn't really like that wasn't his thing sharpening skates. So that's hilarious
0: because. I think Babcock may have been just driving the, the truck.
2: equipment truck. That the just equipment truck by. just <laughs> but yeah. So Rammer, as the assistant coach, had to come off the bench, go to the back room, readjust the skate sharpening machine, oh and sharpen gosh. skates while the game was going on. So uh, I'll talk to him about that too. One of the. Uh, uh, awkward but funny moment that i had on the bench because i just got called up from rochester to be at the game at the joe lewis arena
0: of course the sabers are trying to make a back-to-back wins this week and then ultimately try to string it to three in a row by taking on minnesota on saturday so we'll see if they can get that second stop uh second win in this uh, you know week-long run This evening against the Florida Panthers, you talk about Mike Ramsey. We love the involvement of the alumni, and that brings us to one of the upcoming events here in Buffalo, which we are a month away from now, and that is the return of the Catwalk for Charity. happens at Forbes Theater in Buffalo on Friday, March the 15th. Ryan Miller and his former teammates, Walking the runway once again. Sabres alumni to model outfits designed by Courage of Carly patients at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center with proceeds benefiting the Ryan Miller Legacy Fund. You can learn more and, of course, get tickets for this event sabers.com slash catwalk big news from around the nhl columbus has let go of their gm jarmo kekalainen that's one of the topics that we hit on next with our hockey insider darren dreger from tsn it's all on sabers live on this game day sabers and panthers tonight call from mom answer it call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
0: First of three meetings this year between the Sabres and the Panthers happening at KeyBank Center this evening. Hope you join us for our 6.30 coverage on MSG. It's all part of Military Appreciation Night. And Marty will be uh, joined, by, as we will, through the entirety of the yes. broadcast, some uh, wonderful Sabres alum. I think this is uh, visit number 1,692 from Darren Dreger, our hockey insider here on <laughs> Sabres Live. Dregs, uh, there's actually uh, pretty significant news within the Eastern Conference today, although Technically, not surprising based on the turmoil that Columbus found themselves in at the start of the year and the results to date, but uh, they are now in search of a new GM after the departure of Yarmo Kekalainen.
4: Yeah, you know, it, it it just seems like it was imminently going to happen, right? With all due respect to Yarmo Kekalainen, who, you know, he's been around the hockey world his entire life. Uh, he's done some very good things for the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. But it was like this season was destined to fail before it even started. You know, you go back to the obvious drama and turmoil around the hiring of Mike Babcock and, more importantly, how that quickly disintegrated. And then they elevate Pascal Vincent to the role of of general manager. And, look, I mean, there's reason to believe that Vincent is a good NHL head coach, um, but it hasn't worked out for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Their new signings in Johnny uh, Goudreau, I mean, go down the list. It, it just hasn't worked out. So I inquired with Columbus probably a couple of weeks ago. And you always hate to ask these questions, like, does your general manager have the authority to make moves? Because if he doesn't have that level of authority, then why is he the GM? But given everything that was going sideways in Columbus... I thought it was a fair and reasonable question to ask. And the answer was yes, he has the authority. So now you fast forward to the news of the day where Yarmo is out and John Davidson has accepted the role of general manager on an interim uh, position. And it seems pretty clear, doesn't it, that they're looking at the looming NHL trade deadline, the decisions that have to be made. And then beyond that, mm-hmm. You know, you've got preparation for the draft and all the 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 big moments that go into the building of an organization in the season, and you make the decision that you had to make in removing Narmo of his position. So predictable, I suppose, but the timing of it only makes sense because of what's right around the corner, and that's the trade deadline.
2: And now you put on X this morning that you wouldn't be surprised if John Davidson at least calls Jeff Molson and the Montreal Canadiens and inquire on Jeff Gordon because they work together in New York, right? John Davidson was president, mm. Jeff Gordon was the GM, but Jeff Gordon's the president of Hockey Ops in, in Montreal. Would Would he be interested in going to a GM job or would the Canadians even be open to that?
4: Well, I mean, technically, Jeff Molson is the president of the Montreal Canadiens. So, I mean, you're splitting hairs when you you try and dissect the labeling or the positioning of of any high-ranking executive, and Jeff Gorton is 100% that. The only reason it makes sense, even from a speculative standpoint, is the history of Davidson and Jeff Gorton with the New York Rangers, and if, capital I-F, if Jeff Gorton still has the juices that flow in being the hourly decision-making that you have to have when you're an NHL general manager. I'm sure he's happy in the role that he has in Montreal works. Well, of course, with general manager, Ken Hughes, but if you're Davidson and Columbus Blue Jackets, it feels like they need an injection of experience there, right? There's so many things that have to get determined and moved in a relatively short period of time. I think it's just part of the process. Don't you have to make the call? and say, you know, can we have permission? If Jeff Molson says absolutely not, all right, end of the the quest there and you move on to whoever else is is on your list and you're developing shortlist. So, a very speculative tweet on X, I can appreciate that, but you know, given how all of the pieces of that puzzle seem to fit in place, I'd be I'd be very surprised if Davidson didn't make that call to the Canadians.
0: Pretty sure there's no other kind of uh posts on x other than speculative but anyway um as far as uh, <laughs> sure. the rest of the shortlist is concerned uh, who might be the candidates and more importantly and i might be in the minority here i really don't think columbus is that far away from being good uh i yeah. like a lot of their prospects um you know but shortlist for gms and how active or like what might be their big play at the deadline yeah
4: Well, it's hard to decide and determine a shortlist because as Davidson has acknowledged, you know, they're really just getting involved. So what you're going to see, you know, the usual names that are are thrown out there, Um, you know, Chuck Fletcher's name will be out there. Mark Hunter's name will be out there. You know, people wonder, fairly wonder if the National Hockey League and the commissioner's office is finally going to allow Stan Bowman back into the hockey world. And if so, you know, is Columbus willing to, to go down that path? And, you know, then you'll have the assistant general manager's names at surface, but then that's, that's where it gets complicated too, right? I mean, how many clubs, we just talked about Jeff Gorton, who is, is happily employed by the Montreal Canadiens. How many clubs are going to allow their assistant general managers or one of their executives at this point of the regular season to jump ship and join the Columbus Blue Jackets? And, there probably wouldn't be that many. You know, I think of uh, Brandon Predo, who, you know, does so many great things for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's ready to be an NHL general manager. Some already have him pegged to go to join Kyle Dumas in Pittsburgh when his contract expires. So you're going to get all of that. So that's why I'm I'm waffling a little bit at establishing a shortlist, uh, just because... You know, you do have to allow the process. There'll be so many names. There'll be too many to count that surface here in the days ahead.
2: More speculation on social media this morning. Um, has maybe Jake Allen uh, joining the Colorado Avalanche at some point? Um, you put a, a, a tweet out there saying there's hasn't been conversation over the last few days, but it's 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 a possibility. Jacob Markstrom is now number one on TSN's straight bait board. That's because right. Calgary... In my opinion, should move the netminder with two years left at uh, six million. Are we finally going to see the goalie market kind of move around? Because I've been bored with this uh, pause in the goalie market (laughs) all year.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, whether it's the goalie market or it's the defence market or it's the market period, let's just get something going here, please. I mean, we've had two meaningful trades and both centres and Lindholm and Monaghan getting moved, and since then it's been a a stalemate. And, you know, again, that speaks to the parity of the National Hockey League and and teams making decisions on whether or not they're going to move out their unrestricted free agents and all of that. I get that. You know, to be clear, you know, my Montreal source tells me that there hasn't been any conversation with the Colorado Avalanche on Jake Allen in probably ten days now they have had conversation about Jake Allen, so I get that and and maybe it isn't dead, but as was tweeted earlier, and as we have this conversation, there's certainly no trade that's even close that would send Jake Allen to Colorado, but maybe they can get something going um as far as Jacob Markstrom and the calgary flames um if you're Tom Fitzgerald and the New Jersey Devils, you know you need a real upgrade in goal. Yes. Now, Markstrom has not been asked to waive his no-move clause. That that's first and foremost, that has to happen. Would he move or would he wave to go to New Jersey? I think he would. I don't know that for sure. I think he would. I think the hesitation, though, from New Jersey's standpoint is they don't want to invest the kind of money that you have to invest, even though Markstrom is bringing his contract along for the ride. So they probably, probably want Calgary to eat some of that dough. And if you're Craig Conroy, are you going, really? Why would I do you a favor in Tom Fitzgerald when you're the guy that needs a goalie, and I don't know that I actually want to trade my goaltender in Jacob Markstrom. So something is going to happen, but there's enough intrigue and dialogue out there that it felt appropriate to put Jacob Markstrom based on his status alone at the top of our trade bait list.
0: Um, I would take Soros over Markstrom, so how likely is Saros uh, to be dealt, given that Nashville is teetering as well? And given that you've talked about Flurry before, and now that Minnesota's right back in the race, should we assume that yeah. Flurry will remain with the Wild?
4: Yeah, well, that'll be up to Marc-Andre Flurry. If Marc-Andre Flurry believes that he wants to stay in the fight with the Minnesota Wild, um, and why shouldn't he, right? I mean, the Wild have played better of late. How many have they won? Four in a row now? Um, yes. so things are, are, they're, they're, they're tracking in the right direction. I talked to Billy Garen about this yesterday, not specific to flurry, just in general. And he said, he likes the way his team is trending for now. They're going to stand pat. So they've got several games between now and, and March eight. If the bottom falls out again, then I think, yeah, you have to revisit that with, with flurry. And maybe the same applies to Saros and the Nashville predators. I just, Again, when you're talking about names, especially like Saros and Markstrom, we know where Flurry's at in his career, right? I mean, it's basically over. Um, but in Saros and in Markstrom, there's still plenty of game left in both those guys. You've got to get a package in return that is not only worthwhile, it's basically over the top. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And if a guy like Tom Fitzgerald is waffling, on what he has to pay and maybe needs salary retention to make Jacob Markstrom make sense, what does the deal look like for Saros, right? I mean, so those deals to me make more sense in the offseason because you're not tearing apart your roster if you're a contending team or a team that's trying to lock down a spot in the playoffs to acquire that piece. So it is, as Marty, as Marty uh, suggested it's a bit of a boring topic because nothing's going on in the goalie market, but it's definitely an intriguing market. And I look forward to it kind of getting started again.
2: Anything Sabres related, obviously Casey Milstead continues to have a really good season. He is due for a contract this summer. Ukko Pekalukkanen is due for a contract this summer as well. And he's playing lights out. Uh, When you look at the advanced numbers, he's the best goalie since, you know, the start of uh, 2024 in the National Hockey League and goals save above expectation per game. Um, anything new when it comes to the Sabres? They've no. had injuries now and uh, maybe looking to get better or to trade uh, some of the uh, expiring contracts that they have?
4: Yeah, I think all of that, you know, certainly looking to get better, obviously. But, you know, some of the expiring contracts, for sure, Uh you know, Kevin Adams is is one of the general managers that always acknowledges that the calls are coming in and and he's doing what he can do. Um, and, And the fact that the calls have picked up and he's gotten more quiet leads me to believe that's getting more serious, right? That doesn't mean that there's a deal on any of the pieces that you've just suggested, Marty, imminently going to happen. But there must be enough intrigue on some of those pieces For him to be kind of, okay, hold on a minute now. I I, I just, I need to just focus on what I need to focus on moving forward, leading up to the trade deadline and make a decision that I think is going to help this organization. So he's tightened up a little bit of late in the last few days. And normally for guys like me, been doing this a long time. That's an indication that. The calls are intensifying, and they're getting more to the point. And I think most general managers in the situation that Kevin Adams is in would, would agree and, and uh, acknowledge the same sort of intensity building.
0: Drakes, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week.
4: Okay, guys, have a great weekend.
0: There he is, Darren Drager, Hockey Insider from TSN. We'll wrap Sabres live on this game day after this.
1: Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
0: Happy birthday, Tony McKegney, Brent Peterson, and Adam Mayer, three former Sabres all celebrating on this day. We celebrate with them. Happy birthday to all, and thank you for being with us here on Sabres Live as we wind down on this game day Uh, with uh, Florida and Buffalo tonight. You want to um. dive in? What do you want to dive into? You want to dive into the dis or that?
2: Yeah, go for the dis or that. I didn't okay. even look at them.
0: No. <laughs> You're not supposed to let that out.
2: Well, no, like, but sometimes some stuff I, is supposed to be behind the curtain. Yeah, sometimes I bring up the dis or that and I put uh. it down there, but most of the time it's the producer Jeff. Yes. And I kind of want to know oh, You where mean we're that gonna go, producer Jeff? Producer Jeff has his Hamburg Hawks team playing here site. at the Center.
0: On site. Okay, I want because it's you and your position and. It apparently has just come up. Can a goalie, a goalie can or cannot win the Lady Bing? Yes or that?
2: Okay, I would say yes. A goalie can win the Lady Bing. Now, the Lady Bing is given to player displayed better sportsmanship and gentleman like conduct and but a high standard of play and that's the problem like sometimes the the nice goalies don't play that well so you have you can't. looked at his last 10 they're pretty good uh, off of Marc Andre Fleury mm-hmm. you're talking about yeah i think Marc Andre Fleury could get the lady bing if his level of play rises a little bit continue to be up but uh, his first half of the season would not meet the standard for me but a goalie could win it should win it I think we're all nice goalies. There's like 70. No, eight, I f-
0: wouldn't say that. I mean, what percentage of the 80 goalies this year, roughly speaking, are actually nice?
2: I would say 95%. Oh, my gosh. You're so out They're of touch. They're all nice. Oh, <laughs> <I'm all laughs> Out of touch? <laughs> we're all nice. We're misunderstood. That's okay. a different thing. All right. Well, now I know where to go if we
0: want niceties in our life. It's just hang around the goaltenders. Absolutely. So, yes. Okay. Fleury, formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes. Phil Kessel formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins Phil Kessel will or will not play a game for the Canucks this season
2: oh absolutely will I think he will play a game I think he will they will give him Rick Tockett will give Phil Kessel a chance to have an impact as a deep a depth player with the Vancouver Canucks connection to Pittsburgh when they won back-to-back cups although Kessel last year only played four playoffs games with Vegas right but he was still a big part of it you, you know the story about him when they went to Florida for Game Six, and Kessel walked into the room in the morning. He "Goes, I know." And Game Six was in Vegas, right? Was it? Or Game Five? They went in. They five, only went eight. to five. Okay, Game Five in Vegas. Phil Kessel walked in the room and says, "Guys, I don't want to dri- I don't want to fly back to Florida. So let's win this game tonight." <laughs>
0: <laughs> he got his wish, and uh, those Florida Panthers, while losing in the Cup final last year, are excellent this year. We'll see them and in-